Hey, Chirocasters, Dr. Drew Rubin here. It's another rainy day here in Atlanta, but we are still super excited to bring you the latest podcast sponsored by, now you know, my favorite web creating, website creating company, and of Chirorite, my fabulous documentation and scheduling software. Today's episode is another episode regarding one of the most interesting topics that, that I like talking about, which is autism. And now here's the podcast. It was Amanda Baggs. Um, she is a nonverbal autistic adult. Um, and uh, I thought that this video portrayed something that a lot of us don't ever think about when we uh, think about people who with autism. Um, you know, we look at the kids uh, in our practice um, who are nonverbal, and uh, you know, we try to instill in the parents um, that this isn't wrong, right? What, 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 what the way that they are communicating with the world is different than the way you and I communicate with the world, but it's not wrong or broken. It's just different, right? I love how Amanda said in this uh, video um, that. Uh, People think that my deficit in your language is wrong, but they don't even give a consideration that you have a deficit in my language. You know, that would be just like going to another country and where everybody speaks a certain language and saying, you're all wrong speaking that, you all should be speaking English, right? That's not a logical thing. But everybody, if you're in another country and everybody speaks a certain language, that's the language that they speak. And even though we speak English, and we know perfectly well what we're saying, if you're in another country, they cannot understand you, right? But are we disabled, right? Would that be considered disabled? No, so this isn't a disability. This is a different ability, right? And I'm really sick and tired of hearing people call this disabled or handicapped, you know, or retarded that do not describe what's really going on with these kids, right? This is not a this person is not disabled. She's obviously very, very bright, right? For her to have been able to figure out how to type something in such a speed that she could type it and then hear what she typed coming out on the audio you know, portion of that communicator, that's pretty brilliant. And I thought her prose was actually quite well written and very poignant and very emotional, right? It wasn't like she was using you know, little bitty words. I mean, she was using some pretty superior words in some great you know, context. So she's obviously a, a very bright person. Um, so to think of that as disabled is just differently abled, right? And I think that's so important to understand is when we are looking at people on the spectrum, when we're looking at people who have had a concussion, when we're looking at people who have had Lyme disease or pandas, or ADHD, or learning disorders, or OCD, or whatever it is that they're coming in with, right? There is nothing wrong with them. There's nothing that has to be fixed. You know, they're not broken people. These are people who have some sort of challenges, right? And our job is not to fix them or make their autism go away or whatever. Our job is to make them be the best that they can be, right? And sometimes these kids who come in to our practice who have the uh, diagnosis of autism and they're not speaking, they may not speak very much, 
but they calm down, right? And they don't have temper tantrums like they used to. And they don't you know, throw things that they used to. Um, and they're happier. And isn't that a huge victory, right? But, like, w we cannot assume that our job is to make a kid talk, right? Because it could just be that the destiny of that child is not to talk. And that's not wrong, right? There should be no judgment in what it is that this child does or doesn't do. What we want to see is we want to see neurologic improvement. Yeah? Is there anything that um, you've seen with like an infant that you're like, ooh, this could uh, be an indication that they will have autism? Like kind of like the Down syndrome, like the face? Yes, uh, great question. So the question is, is, um, is there something that we see in infants that can lead to a potential diagnosis of autism later on? Yeah. And the answer is absolutely. Um, you know, to me, this is why I love taking care of the littlest kids, because if you have a little child who is having some uh, motion problems, in other words, they're having problems rolling, they're having problems sitting up, they're having problems crawling, they're having problems learning how to walk, um, they're having delays in talking, you're already showing, being shown indications that something is wrong, right? Because neurologically, like I showed you with the print reflexes, it's all there, right? You should roll, right? That's the ATNR. You should walk. That's the stepping and placing reflex. You should be able to do, you know, you should be able to manipulate objects in your hands. That's the palm of grasp. All these things should be happening. And if they're not happening, if there's some sort of motor dysfunction in an infant, it means that their brain is dysfunctioning, and it's not just, oh, it's no big deal. <clears throat> but I hear it all the time, oh, it's no big deal. They'll grow into it. They'll learn anyway. My baby doesn't you know, like to crawl. He just went right to walking. It's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. How does the, how does the cross pattern work in the brain if you don't get that corpus callosum firing really heavily? right? Um, so there's a lot of reasons why a child, now it doesn't mean that they're going to become autistic. Right? It just means that there's a higher chance that something's happening that we need to take care of. Right? So that's, to, to me, like the, when a, a child comes in and they're having all kinds of whatever issues, I'm not really concerned about the issue at hand as much as I am about their future. And I try to bring that out to the parents, like, okay, the fact that he's not rolling is a, is a you know, thing, but the fact that he's not rolling isn't the thing. The fact that he's not rolling is indicative of other things that, if not corrected, will be much worse later on. So we need to correct this to make sure his or her brain is working at peak performance because now their brain is growing faster than it will ever grow again. Those first three years, faster growth, more synapses, more neurons, more stuff being put down than any other time in their entire life. So we want to make sure all those connections are working really well. And I know and I know that I know that there's, I could name you a couple of kids just off the top of my head, I won't name them, but I could think about them right now where these kids were not rolling, they were not crawling, they were not learning how to walk. And one of the main things that we did is to help them get started with that. And I know that those kids' whole life has changed. It's not just that now they roll or now they start to crawl or whatever. It's, I know five years from now when they're in school, they're not going to have the problems they were going to have if we didn't inter intervene in that. Yeah? What, what would be some examples of how you like, intervened in their life? Well, first of all, getting adjusted right. is a huge 
you know, thing uh, you know, to, to do. Uh, just getting adjusted neurologically will help reset their little nerve systems. And if that's all you do, then that's an amazing, oh. great benefit is if that's all you do. That you'll do, like if they just went straight to walking, like how do you force them to crawl? You do a, a dead bug with them, right? So, you know, right arm, left leg, left arm, right leg, and just do that every day, dozens of times a day. Like on your back, maybe? Yeah, on the baby on the back. The baby's on their back and you just do it with them. So you just, what, what, and we talk about this in the advanced diagnosis class, but I'll mention it here. There's something called patterning, P-A-T-T-E-R-N, patterning. Um, and patterning is the thing you do if a child isn't doing something, you do it for them. So a child isn't rolling, you teach them how to roll. A child isn't crawling, you teach them how to crawl. A child isn't walking, you put them in positions that help them learn how to walk. You, you will do everything in your power to change their little brains and input what's missing. So if they can't do something, you help them do it. That, this is the, one of the biggest issues that I see with kids who having nursing problems. And instead of fixing the nursing problems, what do people, most people do? Instead of fixing the nursing problems, they say, oh, here's a bottle, it's just easier. I'm like, okay, they, they need nutrition, so I'm not denying they need to get fed. So there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't fix the reason that they have nursing problems, you're going to have other problems later. So in that sense, would you help them like someone else is going to latch onto your breast? Like it's no, what, what you, uh, so, like, no, you're not using a nursemaid or something. <laughs> That's archaic. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to, you, you'll, you'll teach them how to suck. Right, that you'll you'll use tools to teach them how to suck. Gotcha. Yeah. So so you whatever, you know we talk about this uh, in the advanced diagnosis class. There's a great book called um, What to Do About Your Brain Injured Child by Dr. Glenn Doman, and he talks about how what whenever there is a deficit, you have to fix the deficit before you move forward. It's just like if you're all learning chiropractic, right? Let's say, for whatever reason, you transferred in from another school and you never learned palpation, right? And now, all of a sudden, you're in, like, Mopal, and you're about to do some adjustments, but you don't know the thing, you're not, you don't even know how to feel the spine, right? You shouldn't be in that class because that's too advanced, right? You need to go, even though you might be in fourth quarter academically, you really know to go by first and second quarter and take spinal anatomy and start doing some palpation things and figure out stuff first before you go into Mopal and start motion palpating something you don't even know what Mopal is, right? So that would be a massive deficit to be put in a class that you're not ready for, right? Because you're not, your body isn't acclimated to the knowledge that you need to have at that stage, right? So for the children who are walking and they skipped crawling, you've missed an entire stage. So yes, you might be able to fake it through but the problem isn't in the mobility, the problem is in their brains. So then when it comes down to they're six years old and now all of a sudden the, they're, the, they're reading and as they cross the midline of their eyes on the page, the words bounce around. Like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Or, or Johnny is playing you know, baseball and the baseball is coming out like him and he can see the baseball here to here and then right over here, he doesn't see the baseball because of switching sides. Right, so here, he can see the left eye, I'm seeing the baseball here, now switching to the right eye, and he misses, he always swings early or late because he doesn't see there's a gap in what's going on because his eyes go like this in the middle of that. And they're like, where did that come from? 
right? Where did that come from? Well, that came from when you were little and you let him not, you let him you know, go right from crawling to walking with doing no intervention. So there's always a ramification of missed steps, right? There's always some sort of, and now you can raise your hand because I get this all that. Well, I know my, my brother, he missed crawling, he's totally fine. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. We're talking about kids today. Kids today, not the same, right? Kids today, with all the bombardment that we talked about with preconception, they're not, we're not having the same chances with kids today as we are with you and your families growing up or your you know, parents or whatever, you know, growing up. Very different story, yeah. Uh, the book is What to Do About Your Brain Injured Child by Dr. Glenn Doman, D-O-M-A-N. Yeah, so I think um, the, the thing I really want to bring out with a, this Amanda Baggs video is how we need to speak their language, right? So when a patient comes in, uh, for instance, I have one nonverbal autistic young girl, and she's beautiful. Oh my God, she is just absolutely precious. She's about six or seven years old, and for whatever reason, she loves when I rub her feet. Right? And kids love pressure. A lot of uh, uh, the nonverbal autistic children really thrive with pressure on joints. Um, so every time she comes in, she puts her legs on my lap, because I'll sit across from her. She'll sit on mommy or daddy's lap. I'll sit across from her, and I'll just start squeezing her knees and squeezing her feet and squeezing her calves. And then the mom will, will pick up, and I'll start doing my adjusting as the mom is continuing the pressure you know, on her legs or on her calves or her feet or whatever. But that's her language. Right? That's her language. Everybody has their language. And you have to find that person's language. Now, for most of our patients, the language will be verbal. But that won't be everybody. And as for me to try to reason with her and say, sit still, let me adjust you, don't do that, don't hit me, right? that's not going to work. Right? Because she, I'm not speaking her language. It's like I'm speaking French and you're speaking Italian and two of us can't ex understand each other. Right? I need to speak her language. Her language is touch my feet. <laughs> that's her language. Right? And that's hers. Right? That's not all children. So you have to find that language. She has her language. Right? You saw she's playing with the water like this and, and the flag was blowing and she's going like this with her hands. That's the flag blowing in her language. Right? So all these things is the way she interacts with the world. We need to interact with the world the way they want us to, right? And the way you get close to these kids and the way they start enjoying what you're doing with them is by you going into their world, right? And a, but a lot of people make the mistake of, I'm the doctor, you'll do as I say, but that's just going to push them away from you, right? You lie down, you shut up, don't move. You hold on to the head. You hold on to the feet. I've watched this. This is no way to ingratiate yourself with a child who has some issues, right? The way to ingratiate them is to be in their space and think about what they're thinking. And I have a boy, he first, when he first started a couple of weeks ago, the kid didn't talk at all. And he would, he would hardly look at me in the eye, and I would have to run around the office to try to get him adjusted. And now he's sitting on mom's lap, and he's smiling, and he's playful with me, and he's interacting, and he's starting to say you know, some things to me, and this is great, because in the beginning, whatever, like however he needed to get adjusted, I don't care where it was. You wanna play with the Legos? 
Fine. You want to play with the little car track that we have? Fine. You want to sit in the back room by yourself with mom? Fine. I don't care. And that to me is the most important thing is, is we go where they want to go. And then, like, there's a great saying that Zig Ziglar says, which is, if you do what you have to do, when you have to do it, you'll get to a point where you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. Right? So first do what you have to do, which is get into their world, and then they'll let you do what you want to do. And now I'm doing an adjustment the way I want to do it, but I couldn't do it the first five, six, seven adjustments until he was ready for it, until he told me. And I didn't tell him to sit on mommy's lap one day. One day he just sat on mommy's lap. I was like, perfect, instead of running around, now you're right here. Right? And that's what I think Amanda is trying to teach us, is get into their world. Right? That, I think, is the critical 